What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to Burn It All Down, the feminist sports podcast that we hope by now you both want and need. I'm Lindsay Gibbs. I'm your host today, and I am joined by Amira, Jessica, Brenda, and Shireen. We are recording this on Sunday morning, so it is the day, the morning after Joe Biden became president-elect. Uh, we got a great show for you today. We're going to get refocused on sports. Talk about some of the sports storylines that we're most excited about. I'm standing and ready hardcore for UConn women's basketball and always, always ready for that. They're not. And then Jess has an interview later this week. We'll publish that on Thursday. That's going to tell you another horrific thing about the NCAA and how they have ruined some more uh, lives, basically. We'll talk more about that later in the show, but I want to start off with what before Saturday was my highlight of the week, which was Halloween costumes, sport Halloween costumes. What were the best ones you all saw this year? I'll start. It was the baby, not baby, maybe like toddler doing the super with the net around her championship, checking her phone. A child perfected that pose. It was amazing. And there was so much little girl swagger in that picture. And I, I'm here for it. I, I am just here for it. Amira? My favorite was sports people. So it was uh, Russell Wilson and uh, Sierra doing Busta and Janet, <laughs> their music video. Russ looked ridiculous, but Sierra looked phenomenal. Duh, she's Sierra. And also, it was a bonus for all of the little kids who dressed up like Peloton instructors. I never got over those. Wow. That was so on brand, Jess. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realize it had to be sports. Is that okay? Of course. Um, I really loved, there was an Instagrammer. Her name is Drew Zandanella Stanard, and she dressed up her daughter as each member of the Rose family from Schitt's Creek. Her daughter looks like she's three, maybe four, and it was just so adorable it was and she did it she like rolled it out over days so it was very lovely oh my god that's incredible um shireen i loved the little girls who dressed up as naomi osaka and then her her reply to that it was the cutest thing and just the there was actual photos of them smiling joyfully which is actually in some ways how i think of her and it was it was beautiful i had a lot of fun with that I've saved the biggest Halloween lover for last, Brenda. Tell us about your favorite moments from Halloween this year. Well, I always love the redux of Shireen's costume, the mug of white male tears. Uh, (laughs) That is a classic, and she always reminds us of it, so it's kind of like you get to experience it again. And this year, with my three daughters, we dressed up as founding people of the Republic, and we rolled around in our graves in a 18th century uh, cemetery. So that was super naturally, fun. Naturally. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. As one mm-hmm. does. What normal people do, basically. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, it is time to dive in. So I got to be honest. We had a lot of sports wrap up kind of within the same few weeks. We had the WNBA and WSL, NBA, MLS, NHL. 
probably more than I'm forgetting kind of all wrap up. And then my brain just became overwhelmed with the election. But the truth is, there's more of 2020 to come, and that means there's more sports. So I'm trying to get myself back reoriented with a sports calendar, and I figured maybe I'm not alone, and maybe that's something that we can do together. We've got some sports storylines that we are super looking forward to for the remainder of 2020. Um, maybe some that you don't know about, maybe some you've just forgotten about, they've been buried in your brain under all that anxiety. Um, but I'm excited. Jess, please get us started with one of my absolute favorites. Sure. So college basketball starts back up at the end of this month. And I want to give a hat tip to Howard Megdahl, who pointed me towards this story, uh, which is the the thing I want you to be paying, the person I want you to be paying attention to when the season returns is Syracuse point guard, Tiana Mangakahia. She's Australian. Her father's Maori. She was diagnosed in the summer of 2019 with breast cancer at the age of 24. The diagnosis came after a season where she led Syracuse in points, 16.9, and assists, 8.4. She averaged 9.1 assists over her two seasons at Syracuse. She's the school's all-time leader in assists, has the second-highest scoring game. She's the fastest player in Syracuse history to reach 1,000 career points. She's also the only player in Syracuse women's basketball history to record a points, assists, rebounds, triple-double, and she's recently been selected to the Australian national team. She's She's phenomenal. She's a great great basketball player and she's back she's been granted an extra year of eligibility since she had breast cancer and missed out she did eight rounds of chemo double mastectomy and reconstruction breast cancer in my family it's too close to home in 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 all kinds of ways to imagine going through all of this and then to return to the court is is really something Here's a clip of her talking to a local sports station in New York, CNY Central, back in January of this year before she had her surgery, but after her chemotherapy. Yeah, I feel good. Um, I feel like a lot stronger, actually, than what I have in the past. Um, I was playing pickup the other day, and I just felt so much better. Um, But yeah, I'm very happy that that section of this process is over. And she's been back with the team and practicing since February. So she's ready to go. And here's what she had to say about the support that she's actually gotten from Syracuse. Basketball community has been amazing too with the coaches and um, obviously Liv um, and my teammates really. Like everyone's just been amazing and the support has been crazy. You, her story is incredible. Her play spectacular. I'm just really excited to see her back on the court. Mangakahia scoops it across the lane to Fox, and we're tied up again. 65 apiece. Mangakahia out top, trying to turn the corner, free throw line. Pull up Jay is good. Coast to coast to the Ramblays at home, and Tiana's putting the orange on her back. One of the best stories in sports for sure. I personally can't believe we're this close to women's college basketball season yeah. starting back. Like it's, <laughs> I know it's really hard, but I've now that there's some brain space freed up for me, I'm starting to get excited with the usual caveats that we're a little uncomfortable with sports happening right now as the pandemic is worsening. I know someone who is very excited to watch one basketball player in particular, Amira? Yeah, I am. And I've said this before on the show. I am thrilled that Alexis is playing for uh, Coach Blair down at A&M now. And they just did a little intro spotlight for her where she talked about- Who is Alexis? Sorry. Who is Alexis? If people are new. Oh, these listeners know. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Alexis Morris is my baby cousin. And she's had quite a journey in college ball. She came out of high school, the sixth ranked, you know, something- point guard she was mcdonald's all-american jordan classic she was a standout freshman at baylor and then had some difficulties and left the program at baylor sat out a year and transferred to rutgers really did not have a okay time up north and now she's home and she wants to be home and it's gonna be i think a great fit she's thriving her arms are jacked we were like okay little lex back in the gym <laughs> And I am like literally, I think I said this before in the show, I can't, that was like the first time the pandemic really hit me because like I just want to go to her first game, but I'm happy that it's coming and, and it looks like they'll be able to, you know, actually have a season. So I'm thrilled to watch her. Uh, y'all should keep your eye out because, you know, that girl's good. <laughs> we, I'm so excited uh, having been following her journey through you. Um, of course, 
Basketball isn't the only sport coming back. We've got some women's volleyball as well that's already underway. Yeah, so essentially when certain football conferences went back, the ACC, the Big 12, the SEC, those volleyball programs decided to chug on and play as well, the Sun Belt Conference as well. And so all of those conferences are playing right now in a kind of localized conference-only schedule. And so, which is kind of exciting because like Baylor and Texas keep, playing each other and they're you know number one and number three they're very good the games that they played last week were absolutely thrilling Baylor has never that's their hump like they cannot get over UT and it looked like they were about to two nights in a row and it just didn't happen and so there's exciting volleyball being played now but actually they voted to move the volleyball schedule into the spring which is interesting for a number of reasons so the the schedule as it stands now will begin being played on January 22nd and the season will go till April 3rd and then they will have a tournament they plan to have a 48 team tournament for the month of April with the finals being April 23rd and 25th. Now, it's interesting because for years in the volleyball community, we've talked about the ill timing of their championships. They always are in finals week, always in December. My volleyball players are talking about the like that right there should tell us they don't care about us as student athletes, quote unquote, because our championships are always across finals week. And it's also interesting because the ACC and Big 12 and SEC and Sunbelt Conference have not given any indication if they're going to also play in the spring. Mm. And so this, what they're playing now might just be like a fun little tournament, or they could Hmm. say, well, it's fine. We're just going to use those standings and not play all spring and then try to come into the, you know, postseason without having played for a few months. So it's kind of fun to watch and keep our eye on for what they decide to do. I'm super excited. I think it's just going to be a good time for volley- women's volleyball in general. Of course, hopefully they'll be back. Well, I don't know if hopefully is the right word, but if the Olympics happen, women's volleyball will be there. And then you've got Athletes Unlimited, which just held their softball season and now will be holding volleyball in February. Shireen, on the pro level, you've got a women's sports story for us to be on the lookout for. Yeah, just an update. Before I do that, I do also want to mention that – I'm standing and ready hardcore for UConn women's basketball and always, always (laughs) ready for that. Their non-conference dates have already been set out. They're going to start on the 28th and I'm very excited as long as it's done safely. Now jumping into women's professional hockey where my heart is, I'm ready for the PWHPA, but they are not necessarily ready to share their schedule. So for those who (laughs) do not know, um, what's happening? There are 125 players in the PW this year, including 38 Olympians, and I shall name them starting with Mary Philippe Pune, Nat Spooner, star nurse Kendall Colleen Schofield, who actually is the president of the PWHPA board. Also, Hillary Knight and Brianna Decker. They're going to compete in what is going to be called the Secret Dream Gap Tour. And the reason they are the Dream Gap tour is because that cash money it's the largest corporate commitment ever made for professional women's hockey in north america now they're going to compete with teams in toronto calgary montreal minnesota and new hampshire so six across canada and the u.s and they will play for cash prizes due to said cash money now this i'm reading you from the pw site Quote, new this year, players will be required to try out to make the regional training group. Each hub will be able to carry a roster of 25 active players that will be eligible to attend showcases. So for those of you who don't know, those matchups will be called showcases. In addition to scheduled showcases, each regional hub will play more regional games and players and will have access to training opportunities. All of these changes are aimed to promote higher competition amongst regions and enhance opportunities for players to continue to grow the game. End quote. That is from the PWHPA website. I'm very excited. They also had a merch launch not too long ago, and I forgot to mention that, that for a period of time, they had Adidas skier. I did get myself a toque because I'm Canadian. I need all the toques possible. A what? A toque. Yeah, what? Like a, t- a toque, like a, a hat. This is a toque. Like a toboggan? Like a, a hat, like a, a beanie. That's not a, a beanie. beanie. A beanie. But it's, a beanie. it's not. In the South, we call them toboggans. I've never even heard toboggan. Wow. It's a beanie. We're learning things. I know. It's actually it's actually a toque, and I've never heard it well, be called. Well, flamethrowers, I just want you to know, when we get Bayad 
beanies that's what it will be listed at if you want some merch yeah okay so they're listed as beanies but for all the canadians it's their toque so look for that and i'm glad Lindsay, you said they're toboggans because i only know toboggans as a sled in the winter on which to sit and go down hills of snow so i appreciate you clarifying that (laughs) moving on to the they're both down here they're They're both okay they're they're sleds and their hats Uh, so i'm excited to see the six let's talk about the nwhl now so as you know the expansion has come into toronto and i'm very excited about that not too excited about the toronto numbers of covid cases which are rising and have actually will probably delay both now i didn't tell you a schedule for the pwhpa because they don't actually have one out yet because it's fluctuating due to covid numbers in montreal they actually had to shut down practice centers and only allow up to 10 to practice at a time which for a hockey roster as you know is not possible so the nwhl which started in 2015 and was the first women's pro league to pay their players have we shared a couple weeks ago that longtime commission danny ryland has stepped aside for tyler Tominia. And according to the NWHL Zone, their website, the mission of the league is to fuel continued growth of the sport and brand of pro hockey. And this league is comprised of six teams, Boston, Buffalo, Connecticut, Metropolitan Riveters, and Minnesota. And they recently expanded to a Canadian team, said Toronto Six. So the regular season was supposed to open in January 2021, and each team would play a full season of 20 games. And with the Isabel Cup playoffs, and was expected to happen in the end of March, but right now that's all on hold. And I actually talked to Erica Ayala this morning and she shared some information with me that all of this seems to be tentative. So these are not guaranteed dates. I definitely wanted hockey in my birthday month, January. I'm not super confident that's going to happen. So the NWHL will try to hold its annual on-star game, but not until after the Isabel Cups are actually completed. So we'll see what happens. And for all you hockey lovers, we'll keep our fingers crossed, keep our masks on, and just hope that everything goes along as planned because we all need to see those people on the ice. Now, just quickly, Shereen, there's been talk over the couple of years since the PWHPA formed, you know, are they going to usurp the NWHL? Like, what's going on? But it seems like right now, am I right, that they both want to further women's hockey. They both have different visions for it, and they're both just kind of coexisting for now. And then, you know, we'll see what happens in the future. Is that kind of the status quo? Yeah, I mean, I think they're just continuing on two very different paths, and some of our guests have shared that before. The visions of the league are, are, are different. But, you know, I think both of them are aiming to support and amplify women's hockey and encourage the next generation. So we'll just keep our eye on it and see what's happening. Totally, yeah. I think that's the way to go for sure. So that's pro women's hockey. I want to talk a little bit about what's going on with pro women's soccer, the NWSL in the United States, of course. NWSL season is done, but this week on Thursday, it'll be live streamed on Twitch. Racing Louisville Football Club, the newest NWSL team, will be holding its expansion draft, which means there's about to be a lot of mix-up in the league. So what happens with an expansion draft is when a new team comes, they get to kind of select one or two players from every team in the league in order to build their roster, because otherwise they're starting from scratch. Of course... It's not as simple as that. There are a few little quirks to it. Each team can protect some players, up to about 11 players, including two allocated U.S. national team players. So the coach and general manager will say, you are not allowed to pick these players. This is the core of our team. These 11 players are the core of our team and not up for grabs. But... Given the restrictions of that, there are some really big names that have not been protected, such as Megan Rapino, Carly Lloyd, Kristen Press, Tobin Heath, Becky Sauerbrunn are among those. That doesn't guarantee that Racing Louisville is going to pick them up because, you know, with players of that stature, there's always questions, are they going to play in the NWSL, especially if it's not a team they want to play for, especially if it's not a city they want to move forward. Their priority is the U.S. Women's National Team. And Racing Louisville might not want to use one of their big picks for a U.S. player on a Megan Rapinoe who hasn't played in the league for a year. That would be a risk. I'm very interested to see how this all plays out in the end. Yeah, it's just like we're playing shuffle, you know? Just like shuffle. (laughs) 
Can I can I ask about racing Louisville? Yeah. Um, yeah. So the person making those decisions, yeah, new coach Lynn. We were kind of hoping it was um, going to be a person of color or a woman, but who'd they end up with there? Well, I since you know you guys know me, and I'm not an expert on european uh football so when i heard the name christy holly i got excited that it might be a woman but no that's an irish football coach and former player who uh is a a white male and is now the head coach of racing louisville um so yeah he's been in the nwsl before coaching at sky blue so uh, how do you feel about that bren I hope that they gave a lot of interviews and opportunities to the very deep field. Uh, no knock on swimmers, but he was a swimmer. Um, yeah, just gonna leave there. That that's the, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's that's the history. I love the that, idea mm-hmm. that you said it was a shuffle. To me, it feels like the electric slide. That's unprompted. <laughs> <laughs> so. I find this all extremely fascinating, like the ins and mm-hmm. outs of the end dub and what's happening. And I have to admit, my heart stopped beating a couple times while, you know, the list was released of secured, insecure, unsecured players. So I was a bit. How are you feeling about your thorns? I love my thorns. Christine Sinclair for me is everything. And I guess like on the list that came out, it also said who was... Uh, was allotted to Canada, I think, was the term on the list that they used. Yeah. Was it allotted? Allotted was is the word it? they're using. Alloc- yeah. Or allocated. Allocated. Yeah. allocated oh, not allotted. Sorry. Allocated. So it was It was that. I mean, I'm super happy to see Dunn there. Don't get me wrong. Like, that's just filling me with joy. Yeah. But Crystal Dunn is on the Portland Thorns, which is awesome. Which is very exciting. Like, that roster is incredible. Especially because she's been living her best life up there in her... <laughs> <laughs> with her hot French with husband, her, who's yeah, a trainer. And- I have it on good authority that there might be a certain someone doing a certain something for a certain podcast (laughs) with a certain person. I can't decode that. I can't decode that. That was too (laughs) secretive. So that was good. I also, (laughs) while we're talking about that, totally unrelated her. I love her IGs from home because her home decor is like goals. It's like a rustic that's not. Too bougie, but just beautiful. Like, she just has very impeccable taste. Well, Brenda, you're going to wrap us up with a sports story you're following, which uh, is a little different than what we've been talking about, but I think just as exciting. <laughs> I, I'm going to make a pitch that it's the most exciting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, in my, in my quest to make everyone interested in global football governance, I'm going to say the drama story that I'm looking at is the 2022 Qatar qualifiers. So for people that don't understand, because coming from U.S. Or, or different leagues, you might think to yourself, oh, cool, right? Like there's a table. And when you win your division, you're going to like go on and eventually win things. But that's not the way it works for the World Cup. There's 32 teams and 31 of them have to qualify. So the home country being automatically qualified. There's six confederations. And they all do this differently. There's no one way. So thinking about Canada, U.S., Mexico, they're in CONCACAF. That's an octagonal tournament. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, My brain is broken already. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, you don't even want me to explain it, except to say there's some like dubious rankings, and then the eight come in and play each other. And Comebol, all 10, that's South America, all 10 of the national teams play one another in home and away round robin matches. Then you have some pretty tricky things. Like for example, in Asia, you take the top 12 ranking teams from 40 and then they play each other and it's a 12 team intercontinental playoff. In Africa, you have 28 teams out of 54 that will play in the qualifiers. And then there's three different rounds. Again, a 10 robin. In in Europe, it's just bananas. There's 55 teams seated into six pots. It's a nightmare. And Oceana, they don't know what they're doing. They just canceled it for now. So, okay, so what does all of this mean and why should you watch it? What it means is that COVID has thrown all of this already super complicated stuff into a different orbit of 
complexity and nightmarish kind of figuring out. So what does that mean? It means if teams don't make it, especially powerhouses like Brazil or Argentina, you're going to see them questioning the integrity of the entire tournament. There's people within global football that never wanted it in Qatar, never wanted it moved to December of 2022. It's always June. So look for, you know, some high, high drama from these countries. And when it's national size, you get all the like wild narratives about who's cheating and who's a cheater country and who deserves what. So, yeah. I would, I would say that's definitely something to watch, even if you might think global football is boring. This is the time to uh, pay attention, I think. Yeah. Hey, Bren. <laughs> yes, ma'am. What? Amir, was that, was that a lie? I? I was, was just going to her emotional vampire again. <laughs> Every time you talk about soccer governance at this point, I'm just going to say, like, it reminds me when we did our first live stream um, during the WNBA finals, Jessica was watching a show in the, in the, dark what shadows. we do in the shadows what we do in the shadows and where there's all these different type of vampires and one of them is an emotional vampire who kills people or like attacks them but takes like, their energy takes their energy by bo- Jess really should clearly be telling the story <laughs> takes their energy by boring them to death and she's she's told brenda that <laughs> when she talks about soccer governance she's an emotional vampire and every time she ta- it's super important and interesting but also i'm like a little vampiric <laughs> Okay, so so I, I I slogged through that volleyball segment with a lot of good vibes, True, even but, though I have feelings about volleyball. So global like governance about the play, not the governance. It's the governance part that cracks me up. Although I really enjoy <laughs> you, but I did have a question. Um, yes, ma'am. Which is, I know this is supposed to be like happy and joyful, <laughs> it, you know, but also we're burning all down and we're on brand. And I just want to, like, I didn't want to leave this section without asking you for any updates to kind of what's going on the ground in Qatar in terms of human rights violations. Uh, there had been a rising death count. Mm. The, you know, yep. the state of labor there, it's endangered servitude. You know, it's, it's oh, terrible. Yeah. And yeah. also they were worried about the heat and now COVID. And I, I wanted to know if you had any updates. Well, it'll be really interesting because the state had really imposed a very severe um, stay in place, like in the sense that like you could not just go into Qatar. So that means actually a lot of the observation has become less observant. There are fewer people going there with their eyes on it. So it's not entirely clear, but I think there's no reason to be optimistic that they've done anything to help the migrant workers' rights or safety precautions with construction, which is still ongoing. So that's part of this whole vampire suckage thing is that there's forces within football that would agree with our take on that and would really love to see it Qatar not benefit from the World Cup. And I feel like that's going to be a really interesting opening with COVID for some of the people that have always argued that human rights, you know, state surveillance and all of the things, right, that it shouldn't be there, much less playing conditions. I just wanted to add on to that, that people and our flamethrowers can keep an eye on this. Amnesty International has had the Qatar World Cup of shame. So you can keep up to date with what's happening in the ongoings of the situation by going and checking that out. Like they have testimonials from from laborers from Bangladesh, Nepal, and India who predominantly make up this workforce. And, you know, the numbers are staggering, a bit of a trigger warning because it's hard, it's tough to read. But, I mean, there's many layers about this, and I've been super critical in the past and on Twitter of the conversations around what's happening in Qatar because, of course, we want to acknowledge what's happening actually with the stadium building and the, like it's it's awful it's it's slavery in real time but also the way that FIFA neglects to address it in any proper manner which we know but also the conversations by media around this there's a lot of pointed fingers at Qataris and I'm not at all defending all that oil money but there's a way to do it without being Islamophobic and xenophobic in those critiques at Burn It All Down we're also very conscientious of that. All right, so this week in our interview, Jess is talking to professional tennis player and former University of Massachusetts athlete Brittany Collins about why the NCAA is punishing the UMass tennis team, including stripping them of their 2017 Atlantic 10 championship and why and how she is fighting back. It's kind of grown into this thing of like student athletes needing protection from the NCAA because this is a clear example of how they don't protect their student athletes. They labeled us as 
cheaters essentially by putting blame on us. Indeed. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Cue Maracas. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs which are thrown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Okay, ready? Have I told you guys about my Uncle Quentin? Yeah, I know about him. You know about Uncle Quentin. My Uncle Quentin calls me so early on the weekends to help place his bets. And for, I don't know how to explain to him. Like, Uncle Quinn, I, first of all, don't bet. Second of all, it is 7 a.m. my time. So you are getting up at <laughs> 6 in the morning for advice that I cannot really give you. <laughs> because I don't bet on anything. Like, not even if you were like, hey, Mira, I bet you that it's going to rain today for a lollipop. Like, nope, I don't like that stress in my life. It's too stressful. <laughs> but now, you know, I just came back from Mississippi, so I got to see Uncle Quinn. And, of course, he was trying to ask me what to wager on this, that, and the other. And I was so happy that finally I could give him some actual good information because I was like, Uncle Quentin, I got something for you. Bet online is your place. It's absolutely your place to go. It has game spreads and totals and players and teams and coaching props. You can literally wager on anything. They have more opportunities to wager than almost anything else. And they have all these sign-up bonuses. I was like, go over there. Please take advantage of all of this. Leave me the hell alone. And now, if you, like my Uncle Quentin, want to go to bet online and take any wagers of anything like that, please use the code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, because they are your online sportsbook experts and not your favorite niece in the middle of Pennsylvania who cannot be bothered to help you with your wagers. So go to bet online, Uncle Quentin, and everybody else, your online sportsbook experts. That was really professional. Yeah, that was so good, Amira. We might need Vuvuzelas for mine, because that was really good. Indeed. All right, friends, we have a mega burn pile here today because all five of us are here and ready to throw some things onto that bonfire. Shereen, what are you burning this week? Okay, I'm going to throw the F.A., that have very often been on our burn pile. I'm gonna throw them back on there. The Women's FA Cup will halt while the men continue. There's a certain branch of the Women's League that shall continue, but many of them have been shut down, including academy levels. And this is staggeringly unfair. And you wanna wonder how they came to this conclusion, but it's the same way that the FA deduced much of everything with a whole lot of lack of information. So hat tip to my colleague Faduma Olau at the Women's Telegraph, at Telegraph Sport, who covers women's football predominantly, and she sent me a lovely WhatsApp to help me burn. I'm sending you a massive pile of burn it down trash from across the pond. I don't know if you've seen, but we've got a second lockdown looming here in the UK, and Obviously, during the last lockdown, we made plenty of noise about the disproportionate disadvantaged effect it had on women's sports specifically. And you thought the government would have learned, but apparently not, because you know what? They're losing their shit completely now. The Women's FA Cup will be paused during this November's lockdown, whilst the men's competition has been given special permission to continue. 
So going forward, women's teams below the championship will have to seize all training and games, whilst 10 non-elite men's teams have been given special government permission to continue. So not only is this decision wild, sexist and completely out of touch and just damn right rude, it sends a clear message to girls and women that women's sports doesn't matter and isn't valued by those in powers. So if you could kindly do us all a favour from across the pond and probably all over the world who are just sick and tired of men in power making just wild decisions without consulting us, please and please add this to your burning trash with lots of love from a very infuriated fan base in the UK. We love you loads and we love the podcast. Burn. 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 <laughs> burn. Just burn, burn, burn. burn. Jess. So a quick update from my burn pile last week about the Dodgers, Justin Turner, MLB, and COVID. On Saturday, NBC News reported that county officials in Los Angeles said nine, nine members of the Dodgers organization and one family member have tested positive for the coronavirus. So there you go. Shocking. This week, Clemson University announced it would, quote, discontinue its men's track and field and cross-country program at the conclusion of the 2020-2021 athletic season. That includes indoor and outdoor track and field and cross-country. The reason they gave is, quote, significant financial challenges due to the ongoing pandemic, but also mentioned competitive balance, gender equity, and Title IX compliance, financial positioning, impact on diversity among student athletes and staff, and local and national interest and participation in the sport as factors in their decision. How much will this save the athletic department? A little more than $2 million. I bet you know where I'm going with this. Clemson's football coach, Dabo Sweeney is paid $8.25 million annually. Earlier this year, Clemson's eight full-time assistant coaches who were with the team last year received raises totaling $1.26 million. The team's 10 assistant coaches will earn a collective $8.145 million in 2021. That's the highest in the nation. These numbers were calculated before Clemson announced that anyone making more than 400 k would take a 10% temporary pay cut this year, But there's more here that we should acknowledge beyond how ridiculous football coach pay is at what people say, they keep telling me this, that these are educational institutions. So according to Eben Novi-Williams at Sportico, Clemson's track and field program, quote, offers 12 scholarships that are distributed across 26 athletes, plus an additional 25 walk-ons, meaning that the tuition paid by runners in the program dramatically outweighs the cost of the scholarships awarded. In other words, men's track and field athletes collectively pay into the school more than they receive. And there's what Amira burned in episode 161 about Brown University when they initially announced that they were going to cut men's track and field. Track and field is one of the most diverse sports on university campuses. Anytime it's cut, we have to say that out loud and loudly. All of this sucks. I feel for these young athletes at Clemson and beyond who are having their programs slashed left and right as they watch their universities continue to pour money down the throats of certain coaches and into the pockets of very specific sports. Burn. Burn. All right, I'm going to bring us to the election portion of our burn pile now. Um, I'm going to start with this news that was touted as this happy and um, inspirational story, which is that Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback for Kansas City NFL, asked the team to turn their stadium into an election day voting site. Apparently, the election board in Kansas City said that due to a lack of voting machines, that wasn't possible, which is ridiculous. But Mahomes was not stopped. He ended up splitting the cost of new voting machines with the ownership group of his team. About $100,000 he and his foundation paid for these voting machines. Now, that's great that he did that. He has the means to do so, and obviously that's wonderful. But there are two things about this story that infuriate me. First, of all the things we spend our tax dollars on, voting machines should be pretty high up on the list to make sure that there are enough voting machines for everyone to vote in the election. It's a pretty basic tenet of democracy. So I feel like voting machine shortage going to private individuals should never really be a thing. But the fact that it was the Hunt family that owns the team made or, you know, that Patrick Holmes ended up splitting this bill with them is infuriating. They are worth... $15.3 billion. 
The last decade, of course, the taxpayers have paid $375 million for stadium renovations. Um, And this June, the court gave the team about a $1 million tax break for the stadium for purchases such as a bronze statue of Lamar Hunt Sr. What I'm saying is if anyone had to pay the private bill for this, it should have been the Hunt family. All of it. Happy for Mahomes, obviously proud of the work he's doing, but this whole system just on to the burn pile. Burn. Burn. Bren? This week, Kelly Stack, who played in the Canadian Women's Hockey League and is a member of the United States Women's National Hockey Team, she took to Twitter to complain, why are so many fans of women's hockey so liberal? This isn't new for Stack. (laughs) Um, She's... An unabashed Trump supporter and uh, very conservative. And and that's fine, I guess. But there's something about going after your fan base in women's hockey that I find particularly disturbing about her comments. And then she even sort of engaged with groups of fans. And I guess I just want to burn the decision of women hockey players that go all out for Trump, that question the election, you know, pick up a book, read a newspaper. He hates you. I mean, why are so many fans of women's sports liberals? Well, I don't know, Kelly Stack, probably because they trend away from misogyny. It's not a real hard question to answer. I know we all like grow up in the systems that we do and whatever, but she's getting to the point where she's been informed. So I want to burn the real, real bad takes that go after fans of women's sports as being liberal. I've seen it a lot and um, it annoys me. Burn. Burn. Amir, bring us home. Yeah. I want to just, I mean. (laughs) I know it's coming. Tommy fucking Tuberville, y'all. Um, back Burn. in back in episode 147, I went a little deeper in a burn pile about why I find him so repugnant. But I also wanted to say, you know, remind y'all that part of my framing for that burn pile was reacting to this dumb article that was like, will he be able to overcome that Auburn Alabama divide because he's only pulling a few points under Jeff Sessions. And that's where I took my burn pile to remind y'all that he will be just fine in motherfucking Alabama. His clear deference to Trump remind you that this is a man that said that He's been in cities and you can't drive through a neighborhood and terrorism has taken over and Sharia laws everywhere. And this is the Middle East and yada, yada, all this stuff that it's so awful. If you thought that his election might have eased up on some of this inflammatory rhetoric, then I have a bunch of stuff to sell you. Because what we've seen this week is same old Tommy. And in a time where... The current administration is stoking violence, particularly taking aim at Detroit, at Philadelphia, at Atlanta, particularly taking aim at these places to try to say that these results are illegitimate, to stoke violence. People were arrested driving from Virginia with guns to the PA Convention Center because they wanted to enforce whatever they think is happening with the election. This is real. Then they put, they painted a target directly on the back of primarily black Americans and Tommy fucking Tuberville uses this time to say the election's results are out of control. It's like the whistle's been blown. The game is over. The players have gone home, but the referees are suddenly adding touchdowns to the other team's side of the scoreboard. I mean, not only is it dumb, (laughs) it's really fucking dumb. And it just is is dangerous, quite honestly, to fan these flames. And it's also dumb. Did I mention that? It's the stupidest analogy. But thank goodness we have people like fucking Jake Tapper (laughs) off the top rope came in to remind him, like, no, actually, this would be like, remember that uh, Auburn football season in 08 (laughs) where you would only talk about your five victories and pretend your seven losses, including to Alabama, oh boy, didn't happen. I really appreciated that. But as this goes on, I just want to, yes, preemptively burn Tuberville for all the awfulness that he's going to bring with him to the fucking Capitol. But I also really want to take a beat and say, that it's dangerous. I'm scared about the next two months and having asshats like Tuberville 
continue to fan the flames of these stupid trumped up claims that this election was anything other than what it was fair, equitable, and a clear mandate for you to get the fuck out. (sighs) I don't know. I'm frustrated with that, but I'm still seeking joy in what was delivered. So Tuberville can fuck off and we can just burn it down. Burn. Burn. Let's lift up some torchbearers. But first, I want to take a moment to just say we're thinking of all of those at ESPN who lost their jobs this week. There were massive layoffs in the company. um, And we're especially thinking of the legendary Claire Smith. We hope you all find your next work homes swiftly and that you're taken care of. All right. Torchbearers of the week. Honorable mentions. Amira. This happened this week. I know it's hard to believe, but what was our royal engagement of the week? Of course, Megan Rapino and Sue Bird made it official. My favorite thing was all the people who were like, wait, weren't they already engaged? No, they weren't. But we got all of the serotonin boost that we needed at the start of the week, allegedly. When they announced their engagement, they, we know, are a dynamite couple. And congratulations to Meg and Sue on your royal engagement. And Biden congratulated them, which just made me happy because (laughs) of what we've been dealing with, with people in power in women's sports and uh, homophobia. (laughs) So that was good. Jess, who are our trophy women of the week? Manchester City women's side won the 50th FA Cup trophy against Everton last week. Woo. Shireen, we've got a policy pioneer. We do. A shout out to Pakistani squash player Noreena Shams, who implemented the first anti-bullying policies at the squash training facility in Peshawar, Pakistan. These are the first anti-harassment protocols established in a sports center in the Khyber Pakhtunkhwa province in Pakistan. Amazing. Brenda, who are our allies of the week? Brazilian men's footballers, rare, rare appearance on this segment of the show, show solidarity <laughs> with... A rape survivor, Mariana Feher, who was re-traumatized by the judge during her case. It is terrible and frightening, but whole clubs have published statements in support, like Corinthians, Bangu, and Flamengo. And individual players like Rick Carlson have an X on their hand while playing and have taken to social media to support her. Incredible. And can I get a drum roll, please? Torchbearer of the week is Nancy Darsh, the pioneering women's basketball coach who passed away last Monday at the age of 68 after battling Parkinson's disease. She is one of many of our legends that we are losing in the game far too soon. She's best known for the dozen years she was the Ohio State women's basketball coach. Um, She led the Buckeyes to their lone Final Four appearance in 1993. But, you know, she also was in college when Title IX was passed. She was an assistant for Pat Summit during the early days. And she was a two-time coach in the WNBA with the New York Liberty and then the Washington Mystics. And she was actually the first coach to win a WNBA game, leading the Liberty past the Los Angeles Sparks in the league's inaugural matchup. So it's just so important to remember our legends and appreciate them while we're, we're, they're still here. Okay. I'm actually excited for this segment this week. What's good, (laughs) friends? Bren? Okay. Uh, What's good is that we were able to celebrate the election of Joe Biden or maybe even more deeply the um, loss. This election. And so, uh, yeah, so I just hung out with friends and was at a fire pit and it was super fun. So I filled out my what's good before we things were official because I was trying to my anxiety during the week as we waited for the results was so much. Uh, so I would like to say a couple things that got me through this week were Ryan Russell's boyfriend's TikTok, which I will link in the show notes. Uh, so Ryan Russell is the NFL player. He's a free agent right now who came out as bisexual and his boyfriend's TikTok is just so amazing. They have so much fun. They show so much affection and it's just lovely to see Ryan so happy and so um, himself and so comfortable and his himself certainly a pioneer and also the mess of a season of the bachelorette has really helped me so much Shireen I did this thing 
on the weekend I was just really busy and then I called a cohort of mine, a cohort classmate, and we went for a walk. So I did this walk. Oh. I went for a walk. And it was like, Whoa, it was, uh, I don't like walking. And those that know me know this. But uh, like, is it a form of transportation? Is it a leisurely activity? Like, what is it really? Um, and so I enjoyed that tremendously. I also went on this amazing dinner experience last night. Again, it's called The Seven Fire. It's an indigenous chef named Rich Francis who's coming out with a CNN docuseries, which is, think Anthony Bourdain on a reservation. So it's going to be super cool. And I went last night with uh, five amazing friends of mine, all racialized women. And it was it was wonderful. I have to say that. Also, I finished season two of Cobra Kai with my kids. And there's so much discussion about this. It's occupying a lot of our brain space, which is really good. And I'm sort of revisiting my crush on Johnny Lawrence that I had 30 years ago, because I actually oh. crushed on Johnny Lawrence and not on Daniel LaRusso. So yeah, I know we could talk about this after. Wait, like the Lawrence brothers? No, like Johnny Lawrence, the character. I don't like, know who this is. Like the bad guy? Oh, we're talking about Karate, Karate Kid. He's Karate the Kid. good yeah. guy. You got to watch the series. The blonde one. one. Yeah. You, y'all don't know. Yeah, He's str- I watched Cobra Kai like two years ago. Okay, I'm late to the I party. Johnny Lawrence. I know, but I just don't feel like he's bad. I think we need to re-examine I, the story. I, mean, I also thought she might have meant Joey Lawrence. <laughs> like Blossom? You mean from Blossom? Yeah. Uh, by the way. Shereen, I don't know. You're full of surprises. <laughs> you know what, though? People, I stopped wearing hats, like not beanies, but hats, because people told me before I wore hijab I was a carbon copy of Blossom. Oh. So I just stopped yeah oh. it's weird i'll send you guys a photo later is that that show about that white girl yeah and she's yeah. like super problematic in her politics too so i was like i'm not i'm not doing that the actress yeah the actress yeah i don't think blossom oh. the character i don't, think it, was, <laughs> I don't <laughs> think it was a very political show uh amira <laughs> oh my goodness i slept I ate, I popped champagne, well, Spike Cider. It was lovely. I would say the things that got me through the week barely were the interwebs, which are also my what's good. The Nevada memes were my favorite things. My favorite one was the the little boy, <laughs> the little, I'll put it in the show notes, the little boy running very slowly or he's walking with his arms and he's Nevada, and then the dad comes to try to push him, or the coach comes to try to push him along, because um, they're moving so slow. I know Shireen was a big fan of the Blues Clues ones that Lindsay sent, where they said each ballot they're counting, they're opening it like Blues Clues and saying, we just got a letter. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was perfect, but I have to say, after it was called, the interwebs took over once again, and it, you know, I'm Marquis, who I love, had a number of really fun things that I've been jamming to, including taking Paula White's obscene uh, prayer and making a Dembo remix, which is a, just listen to the beat of it. I love it. I hear a sound of an abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. The Lord says it is done. The Lord says it is done. The Lord says it is done. It is done. It is done. Okay, and then everybody starts dancing. It's lovely. You should watch it. Y'all um, couldn't see it, but Amira was dancing. I was dancing because, first of all, if you have a Dembo beat, like, I'm going to dance. So, anyways, it was very good. And then, of course, the one, um, you know, the remix to You About to Lose Your Job. And which I, you know, between me and Samari probably played too much because then the baby said this. What'd you say, Zachary? You about to lose your job. Yes, that was him roaring at the end of job because Zachary is also on brand. So that is what, oh no, my last what's good is my most important what's good, black women. In the White House. <laughs> Just like black women generally. Black women in the White House, black women on the streets, black women getting people out to the polls, saving democracy, yeah, yeah. black women are fucking sickening yeah. in the best way. Yeah. Just love us so much. Ugh. Yes. Okay, Jess, please finish with, I think you're going to talk about my favorite thing. So I really <laughs> beyond appreciate... Beyond democracy being saved, but, but you know, <laughs> beyond that. 
I really appreciate all my co-hosts letting me have this. The best thing, well, before I get there, the thing that saved me this week, Aaron and I watched um, the thing that I enjoyed the most was The Old Guard, which is a couple months old movie with Charlize Theron and Kiki Lane, and I loved it. I would have watched Old Guard 2 if it had been on Netflix at the moment we finished the first one. But the best thing that happened um, yesterday on Saturday was the four seasons total landscaping, (laughs) which is amazing i'm trying to say it short so trump announced that in philadelphia they were going to do a press conference at the four seasons and four seasons hotel chain had to then tweet not here not at our hotel chain and it turned out that someone in his camp had booked it at four seasons total landscaping it is the like you just have to go look at the picture like when I tried to explain this to Aaron, he made me get a picture of it because it is so, I don't even know the right word. It's just, it's so it's like a garage door. It's like a big garage door, like at an auto mechanic shop. And they've just like taped Trump signs to it. And it's next door to an adult fantasy island, fantasy, fantasy island. It is and it amazing. Like a dildo shaped spot. door. It's yeah. the kind of thing that like, you wouldn't write that. Like, if someone wrote this as the end of the Trump 2020 campaign, you wouldn't believe it to be a reality. And I have just been laughing about Four Seasons Total Landscaping for, like, I'm going to be laughing about it for weeks. It is just perfection. Because it keeps I'm really funnier. thankful for it. it keep, and to make things better, I don't know how you do... But Rudy Giuliani was in the middle of giving this ridiculous press conference when, they when it. it was called. So he was told in real time <laughs> at the Four Seasons Total Landscape. And half of the half of the press started leaving. And I also I have a thread about this. I encourage you to look at it because the best thing was somebody couldn't get into the Four Seasons Landscaping Company. So they went into Fantasy Island to interview the, the shopkeeper. There's a picture of it on the thread. He's just standing in the middle, like next to dildos and a sign that says like, reminder, you need coins for the video shop in the back. And he goes, since I couldn't get into the Trump press conference, I went to Fantasy Island. Uh, Zarif Jacob, an ex-architect, could not fathom why the presser was near his shop or even happening. He lost. He knows he lost. And also people are taking up spaces in my parking lot. (laughs) (laughs) Corey Lewandowski, the camp, the, you know, he was at one point the campaign manager, now just a guy, but uh, on the campaign. But he tweeted, "Just a guy." I, I got to bring bring it up last night because it was just so good. My like, favorite pretty- thing about this was someone tweeting "lawn in order," and I was like, D- "I was done." The lawn in really- order was perfect. And then Corey Lewandowski, part of the Trump campaign and administration, <laughs> tweeted earnestly at nine oh one p.m. So like right after Biden's speech, <laughs> all great Americans and PA. Pennsylvania used four seasons total landscaping. They love this country and are American patriots. Thank you. <laughs> I don't have the attribution, but someone tweeted, their moment will come. Waldorf, Waldorf Astoria Plumbing and Co. And I was just like, <laughs> it's, 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 it's so I'm good. good. I, mean, good. I, I apparently am not a great American, you know, because I don't go to four seasons landscaping in PA. But you know what great Americans in PA do? Vote you the fuck out. All right, so now that we've freed up some brain space, we've talked about some good stuff, we've told you the sports storylines we're getting excited about. Now, what we're watching this week is um, Thursday and Friday, November 12th and 13th. We've got the most exciting qualifiers for the World Cup 2022 in South America. All national sides are playing. Also got... The Masters in November, which is just really weird, but I think the weather might uh, pull it up. And honestly, I've never loved Georgia more. So, um, you know, we'll do that. Uh, Shereen talked about how the FA Cup is canceling most of its levels for women for this month, but the elite, elite clubs are still playing. So that's still going on. And then in volleyball, women's volleyball, we've got a lot of Big 12 action on the 12th and 13th. West Virginia and Texas are battling and also Texas Tech and Oklahoma. All right. Thank you all for listening. I hope that you all have taken a sigh of relief. One thing I think that's important to remember is that being happy and hopeful now has absolutely zero 
relation to how hard you work for justice tomorrow. You can be happy now and still work just as hard tomorrow. But anyways, thank you all so much for spending this time with Burn It All Down. We are on Twitter, Burn It Down Pod. We're on all of your podcast apps. Rating and reviewing is the best way to help us as well as joining our Patreon, which has got some new content coming out this week, patreon.com slash burn it all down for as little as just like $2 a month. You can, um, you know, get access to special behind the scenes and help make this podcast possible. We love you and we'll uh, talk to you later this week.